Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. All right, you want some insight into the mind of a guy who not so long ago said, if I was a guy, I can't believe I did that. Um, in any event, and no, we're not going to cut it out of the podcast. I thought it was funny. Um, but this is the way the mind works. I, so I'm reading some of the Denver news, and I'm seeing their mayor up there in a half a year. He's you know all excited that he got 1,000 homeless people off of the street. Costs about $45 million to do that. And so you can do the math however you want, whatever. It looked to me like it was about $45,000 per homeless person. This is almost like the argument when you talk about incarceration, how much it costs to keep somebody in prison for a year. I'm like, my God, you could build a little house for them and just you know put barbed wire and electric fence around it, make sure that they stay in there for that amount of money. But I'm stunned at $45,000 per homeless person. Until I reach out to Tim Lee and Tim is like, well, you'd be surprised exactly how much it cost in Colorado Springs. And I hate for you. You have so many talents, Tim, that I hate to always go to you when it's, you know, homelessness or, or how do we solve this problem? I love going to you in, in terms of how do we make this the safest city in America? And I think that's one of the most noble goals there is out there. You weren't surprised at all when I reached out to you and I said, Denver, $45,000 per homeless person. You weren't surprised or shocked or anything. Well, no, Richard, good morning. Uh, I wasn't surprised by that number. In fact, uh, uh, Pikes Peak uh, uh, Homeward Bound, I think it's called, an organization that uh, works extensively in the homeless community in Colorado Springs has said for years that the cost of homelessness in Colorado Springs is 50000 to 75000 per person. Uh, against the gross city product, which is a huge dent. And if you multiply that out, that's a very, very big number. And by the way, that's every year. And those are numbers I've used to try and advocate for standing up a mental health care facility to get some of the guys off the street and get them the treatment that they need because the argument would be made that there's no money in the budget, but easily argue against that and say, okay, here's $50 million or $75 million per year, whatever that number is. Uh, let's just take some of that and apply it uh, in a better way and, and solve the problem. You know, one so of the, the things they're using. And then I, I, I wonder, one of the questions I thought about since uh, this morning was that thousand people they get off. Of course, that's all political grandstanding. We all know that. Yep. But what is that as a percentage of the whole? And how many of those that got off the street are the ones you really need to get off the street, which is the criminal element? And when, when you have um, uh, uh, prostitution and bars opening up as pop-ups in homeless camps, you really have to wonder how effective the so-called solution has been. Gosh. You know, um, I want to talk to you about whether at some point cities, whether it's the Springs or Denver or elsewhere, actually become a magnet for people who say, well, I used to be homeless in Albuquerque, but boy, it makes a lot more sense to go up to Denver. They're going to give me an accommodation in a hotel. They bought a hotel. They're buying tiny homes, whatever. We'll get to that in a second. But I, I want to go back to one of the first things that you said when we first started talking about homelessness, and you broke it down into three categories. Won'ts, don't and can't. And I think that's a real effective way of thinking about this issue. So refresh our recollection. 
Well, so any large social problem needs to be broken down into bite-sized pieces so that everybody can understand what we're trying to do. And in Colorado Springs and probably everywhere, um, the woke way to define homelessness is people currently experiencing homelessness. And so I uh, came up with uh, three classifications for homeless people. One is won'ts, one is don'ts, and one is can'ts. The won'ts are the people who just clearly do not want to comply with the rule of law. They're the ones, they're the bad guys. They're the ones who burned down Chris Williams' building the other night. Uh, They traffic in sex uh, trafficking, human trafficking, drug trafficking, crime, you name it, they do it. Of the of the won'ts, which let's say it's one third of our homeless population, I was told by a former mayoral candidate who has knowledge that of those people, there's probably 175 known sex offenders living in that homeless community. And of those 175, probably 75 roughly have outstanding warrants for their arrest. Those are sexual predators. So those are those are the won'ts. The the uh, the, the don'ts are the people that just don't have anything. And those are the ones that we as a civil society owe it. We have an obligation to make sure that we take care of those people. And, you know, we've got social fabric networking kind of stuff that, that helps them with utility assistance or food assistance or housing assistance or whatever that might be. And the, the, the issue is not that the services aren't available. The issue is how do you uh, prevent uh, one of those people going from social service to social service and having everybody duplicate uh, efforts? And so, the answer is uh, uh, a single entry point, just like you enter into the healthcare uh, uh, community where you go to the doctor and the doctor writes you up and all of a sudden your file goes to all the other doctors that you have to see. So there's a solution for uh, solving the don'ts issue or really making a big dent in it. And then the last one is the can'ts. And the can'ts are those guys, I like to say, who are, are swatting flies and crying for Jesus. We've all seen those guys walking around town and just shake our head and wonder what the heck, right? And so my contention is, is that we need to, you know, basically retrieve those guys, recover those guys from the street, put them into some kind of a short-term care facility for evaluation, and then refer them out to whatever evaluation, you know, service that they need to get. And, and what a lot of people won't like is because my solution says, okay, you know what, you might end up in the state mental hospital because that's the best place for you to go. So those are the won'ts, the don'ts, and the can'ts. And when you define them down, they each have different uh, problem sets, and each calls for a different solution. So you can't just take people and put them up off the street and say that's the solution for homelessness because that's being very naive. But the problem's solvable. You just have to figure out what the problem is and then solve it, and then that means you have to have political gravitas. And one of the things that uh, I think separates me from a lot of people is in about three weeks I'm going to have made my 68th turn around the sun. And at some point, you don't care what the political fallout is because you just do the right thing. And, and what I'm talking about are right solutions for a problem that are solvable if the current crop of elected officials would stand up and, you know, just really do the right thing. You know, this is a public safety issue in a lot of ways. And I can say it's not just the average person listening here who has to say, well, I may have an aggressive panhandler. I may have uh, a sex offender out there, for God's sakes. I mean, it's always bothered me when I I see this notice, uh, sex offender is released, and it's basically down by the Springs Rescue Mission or South Nevada, something like that. Um, Those are not just predators for the average person, but I've spent enough time among the homeless 
homeless people that there are people who are homeless who are terrified by other people who are homeless, whether it's, you know, assault, whether it's stealing their things, whether it's sexual assault, all of those kinds of things. We've talked about uh, police staffing with you and Dave Donaldson, who'll join us a little bit later on, but we talked about police staffing. So they have this uh, outreach team. It's called the HOT team. How, how much of the police resources are being allocated toward homelessness and, and how many how many cops, how many homeless? What's it balance out to? Well, so let's go back to Mayor Yemi's uh, call that says his number one priority is public safety, which I'm, I'm, I would like to call the BS card on that. I'm, I'm thinking that the city's number one priority is probably growth, in which I'm not in favor of unfettered growth, but that's another conversation for another day. But um, if, if public safety was truly the priority, they would take a look at the number of cops. There's about five to six on that hot team that go out, and their specific job is to combat the homelessness in Colorado Springs. And so if you have 1,500 homelessness, you have five to six, or let's say maybe they've upped it to seven. I don't know the exact number today, but five to six to seven cops who are uh, their designation is to fight homelessness of 1,500 people. I've said a lot, I've asked the question, which general at any of the military installations in Colorado Springs that we know would send a combat force of five to six to seven to uh, to fight 1,500? You just wouldn't. I mean, you'd know you were going to get defeated. And so go back to Chris Williams' building that just got burned down the other day. He called the hot team or the police uh, two or three times. They just couldn't staff the call, so they couldn't go out there. And ultimately, uh, they finally did go out, chase the camp away. And those guys, he says they retaliated and, and burned his building down. I don't know if they did or didn't, but that's that's what he believes. And I, I was on the site. I looked at the evidence, and it seems kind of clear to me that that's what happened. But when you only have five to six to seven people fighting 1,500, and then if you want to break it down further and say you have the same five to six to seven uh, cops fighting the 500 really bad guys, that's still a bad ratio. And there's no way you're going to win that battle. You know, it, it is a public safety issue, and, and I'm like you. I mean, I, I can't be judge, jury, and, and prosecutor and, and all of those things when it comes to an incident like Chris's building, Chris Williams, but it would not surprise me if, if you had folks who were very aggressive, they were kicked out oh, of their camp. R- because. R- R- let, me, let me tell you, there's an Elvis impersonator guy in town who I just love. I've known him for 30 years, and he knows of my, you know, stand on, on homelessness. And he called me up one morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, something like that, middle of the week. He goes, he goes I, I don't know who else to call. Uh, he said, I just chased a homeless guy off my back porch who was uh, basically defecating on my back porch. Oh, God. And he's and got a building downtown, uh, you know, one of the small little buildings on South Cascade. Guy's up there going to the bathroom on his back porch. He said, get out of here. Get out of here. Chases the guy away. He goes back into his office, works, comes back out about two hours later. Four tires slashed and windows broken out of his car. Coincidence? No, I don't know. I, I don't think so. so. Well, the other the other thing is, and and we're going to have to move on from this. I'm going to bring you back another time because I want to talk about you try to solve a, a problem, but you don't want to create another one by making this not just the safest city in America, but the best city in America to be homeless because it becomes a magnet on this. But let's stay on public safety for just a couple more minutes. We were talking about, you know, this fire might be arson in terms of this building being burnt down. But every year 
month after month, usually during the winter when a lot of the homeless are building fires to stay warm, you'll have these fires that pop up along the creek beds and in other locations several times. I remember I used to do bar trail all the time, and one of the guys I did it with said, well, you know, there's homeless up and down uh, bar trail here at the very beginning, right? And I'm like, no. And he said, yes. And then we're out there hiking one day. He said, well, there's a camp right there. There was. There's a camp right there. There was. There's a camp right there. There was. And this was like 10 years ago. There's a big fire that was started there. Thank God the winds were not blowing toward Manitou Springs or coming off of the mountain. And, you know, they were able to knock that, that fire down. But there is a fire danger. And it concerns me that you have a bunch of homeless people. They're drunk. They're stoned. They think they're staying warm. They didn't worry about whether they put the fire out or, or the location or the safety. Is that a valid concern, Tim Lee? It's a 100% valid concern. Let me take it to a little bit higher level. I mean, in terms of uh, people coming to Colorado Springs, I've, I've said for years that we need to be naturally attractive to young, creative people so that we have, you know, employees and all that stuff. And so I think you have to put a word out across the, you know, uh, in the homeless uh, pipeline that they're not welcome in Colorado Springs. I mean, I'm, I'm open arms and welcoming people that want to add value. I'm not welcoming people that want to denigrate uh, the value of the community. So, you know, and I think about all these migrants and, and so on, and I hope the mayor's policy is that we're not taking any of those uh, illegal people coming across the border and all that stuff, because you can get a reputation as a, as a great place to be. And, in fact, there's a website, and I forget what it is, um, that actually used to promote Colorado Springs as a really good place. And, and one of the quotes I never forgot that you can't go hungry in Colorado Springs. And that was, you know, through the homeless uh, community pipeline. So you can become known as a good place or known as a not good place. And I hope that the, you know, powers that be really work on on making sure that uh, the homeless people, the bad homeless people uh, know that they're not really welcome here. It's a public safety issue. Tim Lee, thank you so much for joining us as always on this. And again, his breakdown, I think it's a perfect way of looking at this. They're the won'ts, the don'ts, and the can'ts. And when you anticipate that he says 175 known sex offenders in our homeless population, between that, fire and, and aggressive behavior, whether it's robbery or assault, it's a public safety issue and it needs to be addressed. Short break. When we come back, we'll talk more about that. I'll get to text messages. We'll hear from Dave Donaldson, get his take on this. And a little bit later on, uh, Tim Lee was referencing illegal aliens. We're going to talk with uh, one of the county commissioners, Lahinas Gonzalez, in terms of the latest and whether Denver is still... Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. If you sacrifice your dream for the sake of satisfying someone else, that can often lead to ongoing resentment which then poisons a relationship subtly, slowly, but it does. And if he doesn't want to let you down, then your dreams matter. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Trying to send their homeless overflow down to El Paso County. Stay tuned for that. Richard Randall. Hey, Magnum Shooting Center has got great new deals. It's a new year, so they've got great new year deals that are going on right now. The Magnum Member Appreciation Sale is going on. All members get 20% off regular priced items all over the store. That includes guns, ammo, knives, hunting supplies, and more. 20% off for Magnum members. And if you buy a firearm at sign up, they'll hook you up with one free month on your new membership plus a free range pass. So if you're going to become a new member, make sure 
sure you go to magnumshootingcenter.com. If you're a KVR listener, put my code in, Richard Randall, and they'll drop the registration fee. That, that's a great deal if you combine all of that. It's the best membership deal they've ever offered. Sign up today. Magnum also has class bundles. I was talking to a coworker earlier today. Uh, he you know, wants to purchase something, but he also wants to be safe for himself and those around him. And these uh, class bundles are the perfect thing. Three class bundles for 150 bucks. two class bundles, just 100 bucks. A lot of them are intro classes just to make sure that you're familiar with the, the firearm and what you're doing. Plus, they're slashing prices on tons of ammo, giving everyone 20% off centerfire, bolt-action rifles, optics, and suppressors. Go to magnumshootingcenter.com, learn right, be safe, shoot well. Uh, so we got Lauren Boebert. I give you a quote from her talking about the whole uh, trans in boxing thing earlier. She was down along the border uh, yesterday, along with Mike Johnson, a lot of other people. And the uh, headline is here. Uh, Speaker Mike Johnson has Lauren Boebert's back as she switches to a House district on the other side of Colorado. And the short version is Representative Lauren Boebert recently announced that she's running in a district far from her own home in Colorado. It's now clear that the national GOP leadership is on board with her plan. House Speaker Mike Johnson endorsed Boebert's reelection campaign yesterday, calling the Colorado Republican a relentless force for conservative governance. That was a statement from him. The National Republican Campaign Committee is also backing her reelection campaign. The spokesperson confirmed that was to Business Insider. Uh, we talked yesterday about uh, with Dave Williams, the party chair, about the third congressional and the fourth congressional as well. All right. So let me get to uh, some more text messages here. And then, uh, like I said, we'll be hearing about illegal immigrants uh, in El Paso County, what the status uh, between Denver and El Paso County is when it comes. A while back, they just tried to ship a bunch of the illegal immigrants that they had welcomed to Denver. Remember, the prior mayor had this big banner out at City Hall saying, welcome, we're an open and welcoming community. Boy, a lot of those welcoming mayors aren't so welcome when it turns out that they actually start having people who are there uh, who come to the country illegally because a, a good governor, you know, if I were in Texas, I sure as heck would, would not, I don't like everything about Greg Abbott, make no mistake, but I do like the fact that he puts a concertina wire, razor wire, along his border, that he puts his National Guard out there to try to protect the border, and that he starts shipping uh, hundreds and thousands of people to Martha's Vineyard, to uh, Chicago, and other places as well. Uh, here we go. Truth and logic have no place whatsoever in any of the ideas the left is desperately trying to advance. Education is key, and the left knows it. We know it, too. We'd better retain control of our school boards, our children, uh, before they become as blind and hateful as the relative few leading that effort. It's time uh, to divide the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare into problems that we can solve one at a time. I have to agree with that. And and. We'll spend some time next week on the school board issue because school boards are key and and they're, they've been under the radar for a long time. And even I, I mean, I knew people that were on the school board in the district that my kids were going and they were good people. One of them was a friend of mine. Actually, two of them were friends of mine and, and they were good, decent people who had no agenda other than having a safe school. And a good school that turned out great students. And that's what their agenda was. 
that's not the agenda of many of the people who've been running and getting onto school boards. And they are hiring superintendents and principals and teachers that are like-minded. And if you go to Rules for Radicals or any of those things Rachel Stovall was uh, telling us about about a week ago, trying to indoctrinate people when they're young is, is a key goal. And I can tell you it works. I used to think it was only when your kids went off to college that they started becoming more liberal. That's still true. But my goodness, by the time they get out of high school, uh, they may well have had their opinions on many of these issues shaped for the remainder of their life unless we intervene. And, and one of the ways, make sure what is in the libraries at these schools, make sure what is being taught, what the agenda is. And I want school board members who have the right agenda, a safe school, quality graduation, uh, make sure you don't have to lower the standards to get the graduation rate up. That's why I endorse many of the people who are on the school boards in uh, El Paso County and Colorado Springs as well. Take a short break. When we come back, Dave Donaldson talking a little bit more about the homeless problem. Lahinas Gonzalez talking about illegal aliens. We come back on 740 KVOR. Richard Randall, 740 KVOR. Um, I was just looking at uh, a couple of text messages. Uh, one real quickly, we'll go to Dave uh, um, Donaldson here. Uh, I was giving you the news that Lauren Boebert had gotten an endorsement from Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, and from the National Republican Party as well. And it says, so are you saying Republican leadership supports uh, carpetbagging. Yeah, that's a term from the Civil War. People who came down from the North went down to the South. Um, I, I think what they're endorsing, I can't speak on behalf of Mike Johnson or anybody else, I think what they're endorsing actually gets to one of the uh, text messages that I have here as well, and that is um, I'm not a big supporter of uh, Lauren Boebert's behavior. But the truth of the matter is that I will vote for her because of her voting record. And you know, he made some reference to you know, all of the allegations that are, are familiar, real theater and all of the rest. And again, I, I just want to win. You know, I'm not going to endorse. I'm not like Mike Johnson. I'm not going to endorse people in the third or the fourth congressional district. But I want both of those to be held by Republicans and the more conservative the Republicans. Republican even better. Dave Donaldson, thank you for taking time out of all of your various duties, especially city council, to join us. I reached out to you uh, because I'm reading an article about Denver and their homeless problem up there and their mayor being so proud that he was able to get in a half a year a thousand homeless people uh, off the streets and use different ways of, of doing that. Uh, the cost was $45 million. So I think the math comes out to about $45,000 per homeless person. I was stunned by that. And then I reach out to you and Tim Lee and find out that Colorado Springs may well be paying more than that. And then we start looking at the percentage of people who are sex offenders in the homeless population. I, as I've said several times, I've gone homeless for eight hours, 12 hours, uh, at least once a year for the past uh, probably 10 years. And many of the people who are homeless fear the other homeless people. They, they have had their stuff stolen. They've had sexual assaults. They've had arguments where they've been beat up. They tell me that there are a couple of gangs that involve people who are homeless. Give us your update, because you are the one person who is most vocal on city council. And quite honestly, you're the person I trust the most when it comes to issues like this. Dave Donaldson. 
Yeah, thanks, Richard, and uh, you know, good morning to you and to your listeners. Feel free to interrupt me at any time when I'm, <laughs> when I'm talking here, but I think what Denver's doing, I mean, they had a mayoral election, and so if you want to get elected, everybody's upset about homelessness, especially in Denver, so if you say you're going to get them off the street, that is it's going to be popular. So he, he said that, and he's accomplished you know, a, a small piece of that plan at a high cost. Uh, I haven't read that article, but you're saying a thousand, that was his goal for this year. And so he did that. Um, but you and I could get a thousand people to and put them in uh, tough sheds or tiny homes or something uh, for enough money, right? We, we can do that. But the long-term uh, result is what's going to be interesting is, is what is, uh, if you follow that, those thousand people, where are they in six months? Are they still in that kind of housing or are they back out on the street? And if they're in that kind of housing, has anything else changed or is the basically the city government just paying to house these people? And what we're doing in Colorado Springs really is, you know, we, we don't think government is necessarily the best solution to a lot of problems. So we're working with private organizations or private groups that are trying to help uh, the homeless, such as the uh, Colorado Springs Rescue Mission. And the rescue mission, it's not just put people in there and let them lay there, which is, which is what the, that housing first model, which there looks like they're going to in Denver does. Um, in the rescue mission, there's a, a real program to basically get a physical exam, a mental health exam, uh, get the folks that go in there to then start working towards getting jobs they, they fill out, uh, like, resumes, um, and they, they take little jobs inside the rescue mission to develop responsibility, and, and it's also a faith-based program. So they don't have to participate in that part of it, but that's part of it. And the success rates uh, are higher for those who do. And uh, Jack Briggs, who runs it, I'm sure he'd be happy to come on your, your show and talk about the Springs Rescue Mission so that's, they're doing that there, and there are other groups that are doing things like that. And then what the city does is we try to make it not uh, acceptable or tolerable for people just to lay around and camp out and uh, not seek help, right? We, we don't want, it's like a kid who won't get out of bed if you've had uh, like a teenager or something and they just want to lay there. You can't let them do that. That's not being good uh, to them. And so we as a city try to encourage them by enforcing our camping bans, uh, enforcing the no sit, no lie ordinance, which we pass for the downtown area, and basically make it uh, to where they, they have to do something. And we're trying to get them to go to places like the rescue mission to get help. If paying a lot of money worked, then San Francisco and, and Los Angeles wouldn't have homeless problems, right? They're, they're California spends the most, especially those two cities, on homeless, and they have the biggest homeless problem. So it actually seems to be attracting people to those two cities. Well, you know, and that has always been my concern. I mean, I, I think, and I, I can't uh, officially speak on behalf of all the listeners, but I think it's fair to say that there are good-hearted, kind, decent people listening to the program who understand that there are some folks who have had challenges. Maybe, you know, uh, we're one accident away or one addiction away or one divorce 
divorce away from really finding ourselves or our family in trouble. And on the other hand, there are there's certainly criminal elements out there. It's, it's always amazed me that uh, I'll always hear or see on the news that, you know, a violent sex offender has been released into the community and the part of the community yeah. always seems to be down there on South Nevada. And I don't want to say the rescue mission, but in that area down there. Um, but the people who are homeless, you, you can't stereotype them as all being the same. And, I, and Tim Lee has kind of walked through the, the various types of people that are out there. Um, it seems – this is a tough question. I don't like asking it because it, it, it looks like I, I don't like what uh, uh, CSPD is doing or anything. But it seems like they'll crack down on the homeless uh, camps in one area, usually along the creek, along I-25. And they'll come through and clean that out. They'll have you know uh, bobcats who pick up all the garbage that these people leave behind. And yet all these folks do is they walk a half mile north or south and they pop up a, a new tent there. It's almost like whack-a-mole or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that frustrates uh, frustrates me, frustrates you. I think it frustrates virtually all the citizens in our city. Problem is, is <laughs> part of it is our state legislature. And then part of it is the court system that, you know, forced – States to release people with mental mental health problems back out of the institutions they were in. But right now, I think your, your listeners will find this interesting. Right now, if a CSPD uh, arrests uh, someone for violating our camping ban, takes them down and book you know books them in, and they go to the county jail, they have to have a bond hearing within two days. Your your state legislature has made this the law. They have to have a bond hearing in two days, and they will be released on a uh, a uh, a personal recognizance bond. Oh right? my gosh. No money. They're going to be out in two days, and so uh, then they don't show up for their court date, uh, and we're back to square one. And they can do that five times, six times, ten times, uh, and there's no the city or the city does not have the ability to keep them in the county jail. Are you following that? No, so I I am, and and I door. yeah, I, I mean, I didn't do criminal defense work or anything like that. But personal recognizance that that means we're going to let you go. You don't have to post bond or anything. We just want you to show up back right. here in two weeks or whatever. And of course, the problem is the, the people don't show up. It's just like illegal immigrants. You're supposed yeah. to show up for a hearing here, and they don't show up. I'm out of time here, uh, Dave uh, Donaldson. Thank you so much for joining us here this morning. I wish this was going to be the last time we were at to talk about the issue of homelessness, but it probably won't be. So until the next time, that's Dave Donaldson, uh, the strongest person on city council looking out for you if you're here in the Springs. Uh, short break. When we come back, we'll talk illegal immigration and we'll talk with Lahinas Gonzalez. Somebody just texted me and said Andy Biggs, the representative from Arizona, was at the border yesterday. He was one of those 60 people who went there. He said there's now well over 100,000 kids who are missing. I, I, I keep saying 85,000. It's over 100,000. Uh, Castle and Cottages, real quickly, want to tell you about that because it is the future of housing. It's affordable housing, not tiny homes, not mobile homes. Much, much better. Castland, C-A-S-T-L-A-N-D. 
cottages. They are beautiful on the outside, spacious on the inside. How do I know that? Well, I toured one of the entry-level homes with the builder. He's been in the business for about 45 years. He wanted to come up with something that was perfect, that looked great in the neighborhood, looked great on the back of your property if you're zoned for accessory dwelling units, looked good to the neighbors. And once you got inside of it, it didn't feel like a tiny home or anything that had been compressed. You had all of the amenities that you wanted, extremely affordable, space-conscious, energy efficient and remember you can rent these out usually you have to check the zoning but uh, smaller private home rentals are in high demand whether it's long term short term use it for your family as well check it all out at castlandcottages.com or give them a call today 719-494-0200 Lajinas Gonzalez illegal immigration when we come back on the Richard Randall show seven four. Stacking Benjamins with Joe and his good friend OG not only has great financial insight it's laid back with humor too. The quiet luxury trend is out and loud budgeting is in. Are we tired of the pet names? Yeah, because I'm loud and obnoxious, so this fits right in with me. And I'm like, yes, finally budgeting for me. <laughs> I get to walk into a restaurant and go, I'm cheap as hell, and you're not getting a tip. Live from Doug's Budget. <laughs> Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. Pretty KVOR. Richard Randall talking about Barb Schlinker, your home sold, guaranteed realty. Look, if you're thinking about selling your home, many home sellers are realizing cash offer may be the best solution for them. Not everybody. Barb deals with that uh, to an extent, but she's got so many different ways that you can go about purchasing or selling a home. And unlike uh, local investors or real estate agents that just give you one option, Barb Schlinker has been here for more than 20 years. She gives you several options. She walks you through it. She sits down and guarantees a price on your home. If she doesn't get it, she makes up the difference to you. It's as simple as that. She has almost 30,000 people in her database. Uh, These are people like you and I who are going to be looking for a home either short term, next couple of months, or maybe in the next year or two. But she knows where they're going to be looking. They want this part of town. They want this type of home. They want to pay about this much. She may already have a match for you. It's not uncommon for her to have more than 50 people showing up for a viewing of one home. 85 is, I think, the most I've heard over a weekend. Give her a call. 719 301-3900 or visit barbhasthebuyers.com. Lahinas Gonzalez, thank you so much for joining us. I, I guess that before we have to put the cred out there for you, which is county commissioner and standing up against uh, Denver when they wanted to, you and all of the other members, I should say. I didn't want to make it sound like it was just you, but standing up and saying, no, thank you. Denver, do not send your illegal immigrant overflow down here. Plus your prior experience in the military and down uh, in Central America, familiar with the borders and issues, whether it's the cartels and drugs. Give us just a little bit of an update on where we're at in El Paso County, especially whether Denver is still trying to make attempts to send some of their problem. They welcomed everybody and then they decided, well, we welcomed you, but we'll send them down to El Paso County. They still trying to do that, Lajinas Gonzalez. Uh, Thanks, Richard. And uh, no, so we've been following this closely, uh, you know, since Denver last year. Uh, made an emergency declaration, uh, and they and the governor's office making a request of other counties and municipalities to support uh, Denver and uh, you know and the state's issues regarding the crisis, uh, which is we all know is a Biden administration issue. Uh, and I'm, I know you've been addressing that with him and and Secretary Mayorkas doing a poor, I mean disastrous job at the border, and uh, not even acknowledging that it's a crisis. 
Uh, and so we, uh, through the county and the city, uh, have the Pikes Peak Regional Office of Emergency Management uh, maintaining communications with the Denver and uh, OEM as well for any updates. We have not received any new requests. Uh, however, we continue to monitor because, uh, as we know, because of those uh, mayors and cities that have declared themselves sanctuary cities uh, have added to their uh, their current situation, which has been uh, disastrous. I'll, I'll give you a couple of quotes uh, that uh, this is CNN. We don't like to quote very often, but it kind of gives you an indication. Uh, Chicago mayor says that uh, the border crisis is not sustainable. Denver mayor says it will spend between 10 to 15 percent. I want to say that again, 10 to 15 percent of its entire city budget, approximately about 150 to $180 million this year on migrant shelter and aid. Gosh. And New York mayor's city uh, mayor says they will spend an estimated $12 billion, that's a B, over the next three years because of this crisis, because they asked for it. And so the county has been very, very public, and it stated that it will not expend county taxpayer funds to support the sanctuary city policies of Denver, Boulder, or the Governor Polis on this issue. And it's not that we're not being unfair. It's we want to make sure that we provide for the safety of our community. And we have an unsecure border, regardless of what Secretary Mayorkas or Biden say. They are failing on the job, and we are not going to make up for their failings. They need to address this properly. I love the fact, and I got some text messages from people saying, well, if you believe in securing the border, why don't you give President Biden more money that he's asking for to secure the border? Because he's not securing the border, for God's sakes. I mean, that's just fundamental to the truth. I got a text message actually uh, back in December from Griff. He was talking about that number going from 85,000 missing kids up to uh, more than 100,000 uh, missing kids. We don't even know the extent of this problem. Lahinas Gonzalez. Oh, the gotaways is is over the past couple of years is, is over a million gotaways. So we have no idea where those people went at all. And as you probably reported, just in December alone, three hundred and two thousand estimated uh, border encounters. Uh, and since the start of the federal fiscal year, which begins October first, seven hundred and eighty-five thousand border encounters just in three months. This, as many have said, is unsustainable. And the fact that the Biden administration, Secretary Mayorkas, continue to regularly say they have a secure border is, is you know, it's not just misleading, misleading, it's lying and it's incompetence. Well, it is. We've only got another minute or two, but much of what you did in the military and prior uh, careers was dealing with uh, drug interdiction, dealing with some of the cartels. Uh, give people in just a minute or so a little bit of an idea of, of what some of these cartel members are like from either your experience or, or what we can expect to be seeing along the southern border. Sure. And I have over a decade's worth of experience in this type of work. And the cartels are brutal and ruthless. Uh, they take advantage of any opportunity. So these border crossings, and especially the gotaways, uh, when, again, in the hundreds of thousands and over the several past several years, over a million, we don't know what they're doing. And But it's very clear they're going to take advantage of the situation, bringing over illicit drugs, uh, drug trafficking, uh, the human trafficking, uh, it's 
outrageous. And we are not protecting the children, as you're talking about, as have already mentioned. Uh, the ones that are coming across, you know, are possibly also part of the human trade uh, that cartels uh, utilize uh, for their fundraising. And the fentanyl issue continues to be a crisis for Colorado and the United States. Uh, and as we saw just several weeks ago, uh, they're using uh, IEDs against themselves, uh, against other cartels, because they are brutal and ruthless, and they'll take advantage of any opportunity they can. And this open border that we're seeing right now, the cartels are utilizing it to benefit themselves and hurt our country. You know, I, I just think it's so important. And I go back to President Trump. You know, he, everybody wants to say that at the very beginning, he said everybody coming in across the border from Mexico is a gangbanger, MS-13 or whatever. He didn't say that at all. In fact, he specifically said that was not the case. But the cartels that you're talking about, they're, they're ruthless. They're going to make money any way they can. If that means drugs, it's drugs. If it means trafficking in little kids, it is. It, it is an outrage. Lajinas Gonzalez, thank you so much for doing your part in the past with interdiction and dealing with the cartels and certainly on uh, the county commission as well. That's going to be it for today. Uh, join me tomorrow, Congressman Lamborn, half-hour exclusive interview. He's going to take a look back at his past and talk about his future. I'm not sure what he's going to say. I'm dying to find out. I'm sure you are as well. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's What Women Binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. Scott Grimes is here Thank with you. us. Voiceover, that is like my dream job. I think I just have too distinctive a voice and I can't manipulate it. That's why I'm right. not a good singer. This is how great Seth MacFarlane is. I went in to do it and I was talking like this and he goes, good, now just get rid of the neck thing that you just did because it's one, it's ugly. And I just came out like this and came up with this guy named Steve Smith who has a tiny little lisp, but so does Scott Grimes, so it's perfect. What Women Binge, wherever you listen.